Warning, the following is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey guys, I'm Casey. And I'm Daniel. And we're Dancy True Crime. Today's story is going to be about the Star Rock murders that happened a little over 60 years ago. I just want to get a little insight from my wife, Casey, here. What are your thoughts on Star Rock? How many times have you been out there? And did I've been you out like there it? once. Okay. I, I did like it. I should have taken my inhaler. Um, there's a lot of stairs, and but it is absolutely gorgeous. There's all kinds of waterfalls and like areas of waterfalls. There was only one that was actually... Because of the time of the year. Yeah, because of the time of the year we were able to go. So there was only one waterfall that actually had and, water. Yeah. But it was absolutely gorgeous. And just seeing all the awesome little sceneries around there was really cool. What would you say about the terrain and some of the areas that we went? Do you think it was kind of easy to walk through? Ooh, uh, no, I. Not, it's definitely not a place for like small children or like the elderly. It's just too much. Like. I I almost had several asthma attacks, um, and, and I mean that's just because I'm asthmatic. But um, when it comes to like the younger or the older, like they're gonna they're gonna get hurt if if, if they're they, not careful. If they're not careful, well then you're gonna find this very interesting because the story takes place on one of the coldest winters in that was on record for the LaSalle County in the winter of 1960. Wait, they went in the winter? Yes. Yes. Oh, was... no. <laughs> yes. No, I wouldn't have even done that. See, I've, okay. I've gone during when it's cold in like October, oh. but not when there's snow on the ground. And you're expecting no. snow. If there's snow or ice on the ground, don't go to Star Rock. It's just... <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It would be beautiful to see yes, some of the frozen waterfalls. Gorgeous, but... But still, though, I I would rather uh, live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because just you know, my my thing is, I will fall and I will get hurt, and I'm a very klutzy person, so I'm just not gonna go at that time of year. I no matter how bad I want to see it. And see, with some of that being said, that just makes me wonder even more how these murders could have happened. Okay. It was mid March, okay. so. March 14th, 1960, three ladies, their names are Mildred Lindquist, she's, she was 50, Frances mm -hmm. Murphy, she was 47, and Lil Lillian Odin, she was 50. They were from a little suburb, um, Riverside, up near Chicago. They decided they were going to take a four-day vacation mm -hmm. just to kind of get away, you know, have a ladies' day. Okay. So, I want a ladies' day. You know? Like. Yeah. And it had been planned for a little while. Right. You know, just, okay, let's let's go on down there. They leave early. They get in their car. They come on down. And they they get kind of get settled in. And it was around 1245 when they go ahead and get their lunch Um voucher they have their lunch and they're going to go on out and you're like all right let's you know head on out see what's going on mm -hmm. they decide they're going to go to check out the st louis canyon which later on i will go and get some pictures posted of the map because just to give you an idea me and casey had talked prior and i showed her on the map it's like okay for the ages of these ladies how long do you think it would take you to walk to the st louis canyon it's going to be, you know, roughly 
about half hour walk. So story goes that the ladies go out for a walk. They haven't been heard for a few days. And everybody's wondering. Time of death, they're saying between one and four. But we got to go a little bit more into detail to figure Wait, out. Wait, time of death? You said they went for a walk, not that they just died. So how were they found? Like, what happened? Yeah, so let's get into that. So how it goes is they leave, they have their lunch. There's a couple different stories. People say okay. they the last time they were physically solid was at lunch. Mm-hmm. They go out, and later that night, one of the husbands calls doesn't hear from his wife it was mr lindquist i do believe and they're like hey you know we'll make sure to give the message to your wife and tuesday rolls around still doesn't hear anything he calls back later that night Mm -hmm. um there is a couple people that say oh yeah yeah we saw them during the morning for breakfast but that's when it does it definitely gets a little eerie by Tuesday night, they still haven't heard anything. So the husbands are like, all right, hey, we got to get the law enforcement involved. Come Wednesday, they get some people involved. So did they make them late, wait like 24 hours or anything? You know, that's back then. I, they, it, it is one of those things, but they didn't even call the cops. The, the husband was just calling. But yeah, he was just calling the park. And here's the funny thing that I actually heard in my research, too, and I'll, I'll make sure to post this, too. But apparently back then, mm-hmm. this was kind of one of those places where people would go to have affairs almost even. Really? Yeah. But also, they're like, okay, why? The husbands all knew their wives are going there, so why? You know, they're thinking, okay, they're just going out having a good time, you know, going on a hike. But Wednesday comes around, they get a, a group from nearby – it was the boys of that's have rough backgrounds. Mm-hmm. They come in, uh, they make a phone call about nine o'clock. Okay. They get there around noonish. By twelve thirty, they already find these ladies. But it's a little suspicious. How are these boys already knowing where to find these ladies? They were their bodies were found in the St. Louis Canyon, okay. underneath a waterfall. It looked like. It was a attack, not only that they were brutally murdered, but a sexual attack. They were spread eagle, their skirts, their clothes were a little put up, and you could tell that their hands were tied, but they were cut. They're just all three like snow angels, and everybody's wondering. What in the world? Yeah. So they start that's, doing it. That's in, in, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they start doing some investigating. So how old were these boys? Do you know? I wasn't able to find that out. I would imagine, you know, maybe junior high, high school. It was just okay. the kids that, you know, bad backgrounds. and Okay. But I still couldn't figure out why. Why they were calling these to just get people in. Okay. So they start questioning some of the workers. And just almost immediately, they go to Chester Weger. The gentleman, 21 at the time was working as a dishwasher in the kitchen. And the confession goes that it was supposedly a botched robbery. 
meaning he ended up running into the ladies on the trail mm. sometime between one and four is what I'm gathering. Wait, so he he admitted it to it? He confessed? Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. Yeah, because that's that's where everything just gets really confusing and sticky. Okay. But the confession goes that he met a, he ran into the ladies during his break and he saw a strap on one of the lady's shoulders runs up tries to grab it come to find out it was a camera and then they just you know kind of talked about it and said hey you know it was just a misunderstanding let's just go our own ways but one of the ladies decided no 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 we're not giving up that easy took a three-foot log that was about 10 pounds, came up behind hit Chester, and therefore he retaliated, hit her, killed her, and then he's like, well, I got these other two ladies, you know, so got to do something with them. Mm-hmm. So kills them, drags them to the canyon, at one point sees an airplane going by. So he's like, okay, well, there's somebody coming. I got to hurry up and do some of these bodies carries these ladies up a canyon to behind the waterfall just to get out of sight all in time to get back to work with no blood on his pants no blood anywhere on him doesn't leave any dna behind yeah couldn't f- figure out find out what time he had how to- long was this lunch break <laughs> See, that was another thing that I could not I mean, they're typically anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. But, like, if you're murdering three women and hiding their bodies and putting them in a certain way, and you're coming back, all of this in a canyon, and you're coming back with no blood, no nothing, acting normal. Like, you would think that um, there would be something off plus your dna is not at the scene you don't there's no fingerprints like and okay still, yes. why did he confess does it say anything about that yes and we will get into that because okay. that's another thing i just i could not wrap my hand around because being a dishwasher lunch you would think it doesn't get over till especially at a lodge maybe mm-hmm. till one or two right they're saying this happens any time between one and four and like I said, I'll, I'll get everything in later so you guys can have all the details. But yes, uh, we'll have it posted on our Facebook page, Dancy True Crime, D A N S I. And that'll be posted at noon when this posts on um, Spotify. Yes. But it's just like, okay, how does he have enough time? Because if it's a, about a three mile hike, so for a 21 year old round trip, that should be able to be, you know, an hour, like maybe an hour. Yeah, but, with the terrain out there, at least an hour. And at this point, I'm not for sure if there was snow on the ground yet. Right, but, but the terrain alone. Exactly. If there was snow on the ground, it would have taken even longer. Right. So for him to be able to kill the ladies, drag them firm off the trail, down and up for one man. And, There's no way you can't know. And weighing, um, roughly from what I found, anywhere between one twenty and one thirty-five. Andy Hale, his current lawyer attorney, stated that he was about one twenty, one twenty-five. But Andy Hale's partner in the series that he did was uh, her name is Whitney. I apologize, I don't remember her last name at the moment. But 
she had said, you know, he's anywhere between 130, 135. And if it's wet out there, okay, I, I get it. But still, how is a little guy going to carry these ladies up a hill? There's no way. And how they're, what they're and saying is. In that little amount of time? Right. And what they're saying is the murder weapon was. And they were all sexually assaulted. And sexually, sexually assaulted. And the, the way they came up with pinning it on him is because he had a little bit of a background nothing too serious but mm -hmm. they're just like we're gonna pin it on him he had a family two young children a boy and a girl and a wife okay and wait he was only 21 he was only 21 at the time his mom okay. actually worked at the park too he kind of grew up in the park okay and that's just how you know they 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 kept on you know we're, we're just it was one of those cases where eventually they've just got to find somebody to pin it on and how it ended up going down is within the first couple of days, they're like, okay, we're going to get talk to all the staff. We're going to take some lie detector tests. In the matter of about three months, poor Chester did six DNA tests. Six? Six, six mind you. Six polygraph tests in the matter of a couple months i'm sorry and give me a second here and i am going to see about giving you the exact dates of the polygraph test they were done march 19th and april 1st and then there was three more on april 29th and this comes from the andy hill podcast website that i found this information and which those links will be on our facebook page yes but wait, it gets even better. Okay. Wait, does he, he pass all of them? All six of them. Okay. All well, six. Yeah, but polygraph, polygraph tests aren't always accurate either. It's... And I know they're non-submissible like in this, court. Right. It, it's non-submissible. And it's like, all it's doing is testing your heart rate and, you know, you're sweating and stuff like that. And it, I don't know about you, but I see a cop and I'm instantly nervous and it, I've never been in trouble. That's just but how I've always been. And, you know, so I, I would be terrified to take a polygraph because I'm probably going to fail it even though I know nothing about what's going on. But there's no, just because I'm so nervous, but there's no proof that he did it. There's right. No there's no proof. He passed all the polygraph. Okay. But, okay, so at the scene of the accident, we'll go back to the rest of the polygraphs. Okay. So, at the scene, it looked like that the ladies had been bound with twine. The way they pinned it back on Chester is because since he works in the kitchen, they used twine. But the strand count was completely off. The strand was 32 count. Okay, so because he has to use twine at his job doesn't mean he went and murdered three women. Right, because there's so many people, there's so many businesses around that use twine. And Right, so why is it automatically him? Exactly. That and, doesn't make sense. And the, anyway. <laughs> and the way they were killed, they were bludgeoned to death. Their faces beaten. And so he would have had some kind of mark or blood or something on right. him when he went back to work. Right. So it's like, okay, how is a camera that and binoculars have some blood on it going to be able to massively brutalize your face that bad? And with the and with the stick, they, they did find a stick. The cops did find a stick three days later in the snow. Okay. Because that's when they found it. Three days later, they came in with blowtorches, try to get rid of 
whatever they can, one of the cops step on a stick. Okay. They find just a tad bit of blood. Just a smidge. Right. They're like, oh yeah, this is the murder weapon. Whose blood was it? That's the thing. We don't know. They're still to this day. They're still working on some DNA. Right. I mean, DNA wasn't wasn't even a thing back then. I mean, obviously now you're like (laughs) right. You know. I mean, we do have less serial killers these days, but yeah. But it's just like there's none of his blood. All they're pointing to is the thread, and then which isn't even evidence, right? And another thing was. They found that one of the fingers on Mrs. I mean, obviously the thread is, but like. Right. Or the twine is, but the fact that it does not match the one that he even uses at his job. And you're sitting here trying to tell me and convince us, you know, that. Right. That he's guilty because of this twine. It's not even the same twine. Like. Right. And here's here's an interesting. How does that make any sense? Right. Anyway, sorry. So here's a very interesting point for you. Once again, coming from Andy Hale's podcast, but I wanted to point this one out because this little area that I'm going to be reading is very interesting. And I this is another one I just I cannot get past. I did try to reach out to Andy Hale via Facebook Messenger, okay. wasn't able to get any response back because this this one part just it doesn't make sense. And I'll get your opinion on it here in a second. This is the one thing that I've been. It's been dying to want to talk to you about for the longest. I know, and I wouldn't let you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, coming from Andy Hale's podcast, um, there's a couple different quotes in here. So I'm just going to quote from the beginning, quote at the end. So quote, what is said to be the murder weapon was a th- three-foot branch and weighed about 10 pounds. You can clearly see, though, how badly the women were. There were more than meets the eye. Their faces severely beaten. Their hands were tied um, and possibly put and moved to the spot where they were found. There is another quote from Andy Hale. I knew the women's, uh, you know, were bludgeoned to death. But I came to Mrs. Murphy and said, I am reading from the autopsy report about one of the distal uh, pelifex of the left index finger is missing. That looks like. Phalanx. Oh, phalanx. I apologize. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a freaking doctor. <laughs> it's okay. And apparently this was postpartum. Let me say that again. One half of the additional phalanx of the index finger is missing apparently postpartum, meaning it happened after death. So like they cut her finger off after death. Exactly. But here's the thing. It is noticed later that the ropes were cut. One was cut by a straight knife and the other by a serrated knife. As I was going through my research and listening to some podcasts, I still wonder if either cuts match the string. End quote. So my biggest thing, and it's just been bothering me. Okay, there's a missing finger. So why not try to match the cuff from the strings to the cut mark on the finger? I mean, that's what would make sense. Exactly. So all along, you know, at this point, they're almost thinking, okay, could one man really do it? Was this a mob hit? Obviously, no one man could do it. Right. Not in that short amount of time and not and not when it just it doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. No, none of it does. And 
one of the quotes from uh, I couldn't figure out which paper it came from, but it was coming from Andy Hell's podcast. Is that at the beginning of one of his podcasts, the reporter asks one of the cops, "Could one man do this?" And the cops like, "Well, sure." But then the reporter's like, well, well could it sure. maybe it be more than one? There's a possibility. Read it later. You can get the exact verbiage. But it's basically, that's what he's saying. Well, sure. Exactly. And you're going to, what? Yeah, yeah. It, the, it would make more sense. Well, sure. It does not sound very confident, number one. And number two, like, what? Yeah, yeah. And then, so a couple of the other suspects, besides the main one being Chester Weger, was the owner at the time, and his name, George Spiros. And he was a prime suspect for a little bit because he was nearby at the time. They found another piece of evidence, a red fiber. They're still trying to figure out where that red fiber could have from. Could have been from a vehicle because there was a couple witnesses saying that they, were, they seen cars come by. But we still don't know. George, George Sparrow says, yeah, I saw a vehicle come by, two vehicles come by with like five men. That would make more sense. Yeah, they could have easily done that. Right. Another thing, though, is if these five guys, it could have been a hit. It could have been a mob hit. Maybe one of the, the husbands wanted off his wife and the other two wives were just collateral. Insurance money. Exactly. So later on, they're like, okay, we, we see this going on. We got to get rid of the clothes because you're still wondering, okay, if somebody killed these, where are they putting the clothes? Could have been these five guys. They put them in a vehicle. Oh, yeah. I forgot they were they're naked. Gonna, yeah. Well, partially, but their clothes were still there. But the, the guys that had... Oh, you're oh, talking... Yeah, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about the, the, the potential murderers. Right. What so, they do with the bloody clothes. Right. And if it was a mob, later on, you know, they're talking about a Smokey Rona. And he's uh, he's one of the suspects. And later on, there's a gentleman that Andy meets up with. And he hears Smokey Rona. Yeah, right, right. So it, it's a pretty, an interesting thing. Right. Smokey Rona. Yeah, he was just a young kid at the time. He hears a story. Was he one of them that found him? No. Uh, no, no, because he's potentially one of the uh, people that had taken action because they end up finding some uh, some dirty clothes later and he's like okay well i got to get rid of these clothes he's calling and he's just freaking out it's probably him then or he knows of something he knows right, something right and then it just it, it keeps getting better because you have a couple brothers from the area glenn Palmatier, he was an owner of a bar up in aurora and his brother william was a car salesman in peru so peru is a lot closer to the Utica area in mm -hmm. Aurora. And it talks about how the brothers were trying to get a hold of each other to see about, hey, we got to get rid of this evidence. How this comes about was from a, a telephone operator and all that's in the, the notes too. And it's just, it really, she wasn't supposed to be saying anything, but it wasn't really holding up in court. Okay. So... But later on, you know, the guys, they get old, they end up passing. And it's just, there's a lot of corruption up there in the Chicago area. But being that time. In the, yeah, in the 60s, there was a lot going down. Yeah, a lot of gang. Um, not only in Chicago, but just there's a lot of serial killers in that time. And, right. You know, 
they were everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah so you know kind of going back to how it's getting pinned on chester's is there's still there's nothing they just they gotta end the case this is their guy so it doesn't end there it doesn't end what no okay the poor kid and i'm only saying that because at that time he's he's still he's so young yeah 21 that to me at yeah i'm 30 so <laughs> like i i've that was like forever ago so right. like i feel like they're like little kids still because you know if they're anything like me when i was i mean i was having my second kid at 21 but i didn't know what i know now and i'm not and i was not nearly as responsible as i am now so yeah those kids okay continue sorry let me ask you this real quick do you think that he had to do any more lie detector tests i mean he did six of them so i don't and he passed every single one of them so i don't know why he would have he did <laughs> he had to go up to how many more how many more lie detector tests does he have to do he went up to chicago in november okay and it was by a couple officers um it was craig armstrong and bill dummett so they go up there and they're like yeah you know we're just gonna take a day you know day trip they they have them all day all day i'm talking from sun up to sundown Shortly after midnight-ish, they head on back down. And Mr. Dummett is like, dude, you know you did it. Just confess. Otherwise, we're giving you the chair. He straight told him. Straight told him. Are you serious? Straight told him. In quote from Andy Hale's podcast. Number one, even if you want to give him the chair, first of all, you have to be able to convict a jury that you did it. Oh, oh, but we'll, okay. we'll get there. We'll... Okay, you have to... Con... Sorry, yeah. continue. Yeah, so no, he, quote, from Andy Hill's podcast. Okay. You will ride the Thunderbolt, as he called it. That sounds dirty. Well, see, back then, it's pretty much like they, they, they would do whatever they could to get the confession. They would physically antagonize you they would mentally antagonize you they would do whatever they had to they were abusive that yes that's all there was to it they yes. were abusive and forced people into say, coerced yeah confessions coerced confessions yeah yes like that's just not even no 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 right. that is not how it freaking works but you find the dude who actually did it right yeah bring him to justice right and leave this poor kid alone. Yeah. But at one of the times, though, when they did go to court, Mr. Dummett straight told the, the jury, no, no, I didn't say any of that because Chester Rieger's like, yeah, you know, this is what was said on the way back, da-da-da-da-da. But it was awesome, though, of Craig Armstrong to say, no, Bill Dummett's lying. He did say to Chester Rieger, you will ride the Thunderbolt if you don't confess. So later on down the road, it is it was March 1st of 1961. A little over a year later, the jury finds Chester Rieger guilty. How? They because have zero, absolutely zero evidence that Chester did it. Why is he being found guilty? 
because of the evidence found and because but this what was, evidence it was just because of the strands the okay the, but the it didn't confession. match his but it no. didn't match his and his confession was a coerced confession right and at this point though it was in 1960 come 1963 it was when the brady versus maryland went into effect basically stating what's the brady versus maryland okay i brought this up and then i will give it later so quote 1960 was three years before the landmark legal decision supreme court case of brady versus maryland brady versus maryland is a case that basically said that the state has to turn o turn over to a criminal defendant any potentially exploratory information so chester Weger was tried at the time when the state was not obligated to give him evidence that could help him prove his innocence end quote so they were not obligated to give him and to give him a copy of anything unfortunately so not not even his lawyer nothing no no not at that point no well i am glad that shit's different now yeah yeah so uh, it's that would not be okay it's i mean obviously it's not okay at all right things are definitely a lot different now after so they given that he was uh convicted of it i they probably haven't done any more um digging on this case then there's still been some digging yes okay but here's the thing though the jury wanted to put him to death for it. They wanted to give him but, the death penalty. But here's, there was one gal, and unfortunately I don't remember her name at all. It is in the, it will be in the link. But there was one gal. She's like, no, let's not do this just for the simple matter. What if we're wrong? Because they are wrong and she knows they're wrong. Exactly. Poor Chester spends the next roughly, I think it was about 59 years. Because he was finally released November 20th, 2019. To this day, he is 83. 59 years in jail for something he didn't do. And he went numerous times before the board. So numerous he, times. So what did he do when he was in prison? Did he just like keep to himself? or He kept he... himself. He read books. He tried to help others. He was just trying to get past. He remained his innocence to this day is he still alive he is i heard uh one of andy hale's podcasts a while back it was about an hour and a half long uh podcast he had spent a few hours with chester Weger. he is living with his sister okay he um i believe he did say that he got to see one of his children and he, he was a quiet gentleman but he's got some health issues but being 83 you know he's he likes his ice cream. He likes his snacks, but he he enjoys spending that time with his sister. You could definitely tell. He lost almost sixty years. Right. I, I, you know. And unfortunately, his wife did remarry, but he still got to see his kids every now and then while he was in prison. But he he did go to a couple different jails here in the state. But you know, he had to do what he had to do to survive. He I didn't hear any stories about him having to get involved in any kind of gangs or anything. But it was just. Good. He read books and just did what he needed to. Good. So he seemed like he was, he still is a well, nice man. In the off chance that our uh, Chester Weger does hear this, which I mean, probably not, <laughs> but in the off chance that he does or somebody in his family does, 
Chester, we believe you. Yes, because that is definitely, you were falsely accused. And I know there was a lot that I didn't go over. It's just, it was a long story. I wanted to kind of condense it down. But Chester, we are right behind you. If there's anything else that we could potentially do, you know, to try to, with with today's DNA, with today's test, I don't know how much evidence they have from back then, but the biggest thing is the, the string's not matching. You got a missing finger. You have, there should still be some evidence. They never evidence. found that finger, did they? No. And the, the reason why they're thinking that is it was either proof that they off somebody, trophy, or just who yeah, knows? Yeah, that sounds like a mob hit more than anything. Right. And that's what they were thinking, that one of the husbands, you know, wasn't happy in the marriage. So they're just like, you know what? We're just going to off the missus. And, and then poor Chester got. Right. For no reason. In the backfire. Yeah. And I still, I can't wrap my head around that. Why? Why him? It just, it doesn't make sense. They had to pin it on somebody just real quick. The cops, you The know, cops were probably part of it too. And it's, it's hard to say. You know, you, you hear a lot of cases in the 60s where the cops. Um, right. They. Help cover up murders right. and stuff like that. And it just, it makes you sick to your stomach. Just thinking about how many people are in jail for or prison for things that they didn't do they're spending their life in prison for things that they did not do and we've been hearing a lot of crime junkie here lately with ashley flowers and i've heard some of her stories i love ashley flowers that is so hey ashley if you are hearing this big shout out love you yes um you're what inspired us to um want to do this so yes um yeah but yeah it was just it's it's just one of those things and back in the 60s uh another one was you know it's just um I forgot where i was going with that <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah um oh that's what it was okay so back then the the city the area they were starting to lose business okay everybody was so scared so that's another reason why they're thinking that the cops, they had to find a guy because pe the people were freaking, they, they were buying guns. They were buying, you know, any kind of weapons just to keep on hand because they felt there was a serial killer on the loose. And to this day, we don't know what happened to any of the other people. You know, there, there was other suspects, but their main one, like with the, the strand. I do believe there was new DNA found, but they aren't exactly able to quite pinpoint it. But okay, try it now. Right, and they still are. But try it now. But still, with the way our DNA is, it now. Right. Put it in the system. Put it in the. Um, Put it in CODIS. See if there's anything. Yeah, not only CODIS, but you also got to think people are submitting their DNA, right. trying to find family members and stuff like that. Put it in there. And once again, guys, I can't stress enough. To get the full details, please, please, andyhalepodcast.com. That is the main source where I got all of my information. I found a little bit on state. Uh, sorry. And the link will be on our Facebook page. Yes. And I will pull up pictures from Star Rock State Park so you can kind of see where the on the map where it is. And we've got other pictures from Andy Hale's podcast of the different places of where they found the ladies what they were wearing on the day because that's a huge controversy too because four different people were like well we saw the ladies we wearing a couple different things so stories aren't matching up yeah well it, from the sounds of it they just needed somebody to pin it on quick because the people were getting worried and they that's 
needed to do something and they needed to do it fast and they didn't care who they hurt in the process yes yes and that was in a nutshell so and there is a documentary out there on hbo referring to hbo yes <laughs> yes and it was whitney and i apologize i thought i put her name on here but the gal's first name is whitney she was the one that ended up making the documentary so if you we guys will, we will make sure that we could put that in our facebook post because i want to make sure she has to make sure that this is taken care of yes i want to make sure so she has the proper um the credits do where it's given and yeah given so, where it's due yes thank you <laughs> yes but um so that's that's the chester weir story so chester hang in there buddy it's been a long life. I we believe you. We are on your side. And it's I know you can't get that time back, but man, just enjoy the time with your family. Absolutely. Enjoy every freaking minute of it. Get out there and just just don't give up, you know. Just if you need anything, you know, you you know you got followers, you got people behind you. So if you are Chester's family, you don't hesitate to reach us out to us on our Facebook page as well. Um if you guys want to anything to add we can always add oh, to yes. this podcast yes because it would be nice to get some more insight absolutely and we growing... can always do an update and oh definitely something like that um but yeah up... if you want to reach out to us go for it. it's dancy true crime d-a-n-s-i on facebook yes so but that's that's basically all i've got for the chester Weger okay murder of starred rock back in 1960 okay so and what are you doing next week what is your story going to be about? I am doing the story of Andrew Cunanan. Cunanan, something like that. And what is Mr. Andrew's? Give me just a brief rundown. What is um, his? He is a spree killer. Ooh, I've heard a few so of those. So there are like, you know, serial killers who do it over time. Spree killers. Don't ever do it. And then all of a sudden they just start killing everybody until they're caught. And so, yeah. Okay. So next week is Andrew Cunanan. If you would like to hear that story, please hang out with us. And we will be posting it on Monday at noon instead of Sunday at noon. Um, as we've been having some schedule conflicts. So we're going to be post posting um, on Mondays from now on. Awesome. All right. Well, sounds good. All right. You guys have a great day.